Welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and I'm a former doctor turned lifestyle entrepreneur. Each week, I interview some of the best minds on the planet on the science of achievement and the art of fulfillment. Come take this journey with me. Excuses are over. It's time to live. I would say what's helped me the most is going into each day knowing that there's always going to be some things that come up out of nowhere. And don't freak out because there's nothing you can't handle as long as you communicate about it. There are so many people who maybe they don't have a resume that says they've done this job before, but if you meet them and you click with them and you can tell they're organized and are gonna try hard, to me, that seems like the person I'd wanna hire. Rob, if anything today, I just wanna leave with Please return your shopping cart because that drives me bananas. Okay, before we jump into this interview, I want to invite you to be considered for my 2019 Traveling Mastermind. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com and fill out the application and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. This year, we'll be in Boston doing lots of cool things like training with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. In the middle of the year, we'll be heading to Monaco doing things like vintage car rides through the French Riviera. And then we're going to wrap the year in Florence, Italy, doing things like truffle hunting and hot air ballooning over Florence. Look, Life is all about fulfillment, and I really try and walk the walk. So if you are looking to be part of our tribe of 28 high-achieving entrepreneurs that are in the six- and seven-figure range, fill out your application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com to be considered. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first is the trip itself. And the second part is what goes on over the four days within the mastermind. Our group of 28 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019. And we'll do that through a variety of different exercises, brainstorming activities, breakout sessions, goal setting sessions, you know the drill. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out an application, and we'll jump on a call to see if you're a fit. All right, let's jump into today's episode. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Murgatroyd, and welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. This episode features Evans Craddock. You can find her on Instagram and elsewhere at e. Crad, that's E-C-R-A-D-D. So I wanted to have Evans on the show because she is a freaking amazing executive assistant to my good friend, Lori Harder. But here's the thing. What most people don't realize is what goes on behind the scenes in building a multi-million dollar brand. Evans is the glue that keeps the trains running on time, and there's so much to learn from her. In fact, she's so freaking talented that now she's co-hosting a weekly show with Lori Harder on her Earn Your Happy podcast. Before we get into this interview with Evans, I have been going through your applications to join my Work Hard, Play Hard mastermind. Spots are filling up quickly. If you are an entrepreneur, executive, or founder that wants to up-level your tribe, have fun experiences around the world, 10x your freaking current business, or figure out what the next chapter in life looks like for you, my Work Hard, Play Hard mastermind may be just the fit. So come join us this year, 2019, in Boston, Monaco, and Italy. We are now more than half sold out. And if you want to be a part of this with us, fill out an application at workhardplayhardmastermind.com. We'll jump on a call to see if you're a good fit for the group and if the group is a good fit for you. So think of the mastermind as having two parts. The first part is the trip itself. We'll be heading to Boston and doing things like meeting with Tom Brady's trainer to learn how to improve the fitness part of our life using his pliability method. We'll be going to the south of France to do a vintage car ride through the French Riviera, and we'll wrap the year up hot air ballooning over Florence, Italy. The second part is what goes on within the four days of the mastermind. Our group of 24 entrepreneurs will help you brainstorm and accelerate what you want to achieve in 2019, and we'll do all of that through a variety of exercises to help you figure out what's next. So go to workhardplayhardmastermind.com, fill out the application, we'll jump on a call to see if you're a great fit. All right, please enjoy this conversation I had with Evans Craddock. 
Evans, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You know what? I am so freaking pumped to do this interview with you because it's going to be such a different interview than I typically do. And I think people are really going to enjoy this one. I think they're going to enjoy you and I think it's going to be awesome. So thanks for making the time. I re- I'm honored to be here. Thank you. You are so welcome. So I think what we'll do is I'd love to cover a bit about your background to give people some context. And then we'll talk about how you are, in my opinion, the world's best executive assistant. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and and maybe we can help people who are thinking about hiring an executive assistant or they have one and maybe they can improve their relationship with the one that they have. Um, and then we'll wrap up with some play hard questions. Cool? That sounds awesome. I'm in. All right. So let's take it back to 1985 in North Carolina, which sort of pisses me off a little bit just by the numbers because I graduated high school in 84. Um, but Sorry but about that. That's okay. That's okay. But that's another show. So for those of you listening, that is the year that this young gal was born. And I want to talk about your name because I only know one person named Evans, and that's you. Oh, wow. Can you tell us the story (laughs) of your name? Yes. Okay. So um, my mom, it's, I'm named after my mom's great, no, my great grandmother. Her name was Eunice Evans. So I'm really glad my mom dropped the Eunice part. No offense to any Eunices. Me too. Me too. (laughs) None taken. I don't think there's any Eunices left. So I think it's fine. Me neither. I think we're good there. Yeah. But my first name is actually Hillary, but my mom doesn't like that name. So I've been called Evans my whole life. Oh. Yes. How do you, do you identify with other Hillarys? I don't really know any other Hillarys, to be honest. Other than... I don't think I know one Hillary. Other than Hillary. Clinton. Yeah, yes. That's it. Wow, that's really interesting. But unique names run in your family. Your mom's name is Jimmy. Is that... How did you know that? You know, I you do do, your research. I got to do my work. So is this a, is this like a cratic tradition? <laughs> I guess so. Actually, I got on Ancestry and was looking at some of the hilarious names on my mom's side, and it's like Catherine Elizabeth, but they call her Cora, and then like Etta Jane, things like that. So it's pretty fun. Didn't she make the song at last? <laughs> did, did you know that? that Ed, that's Edda my James? aunt. That's your aunt, huh? Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, there's a whole other story there. So pretty famous. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit more about North Carolina. Can you describe what being raised on a horse farm was like in North Carolina? I mean, you have the whole thing, right? You had the goats, the chickens. Maybe you can sort of tell us a story about maybe some sort of things that you did with your family. Oh my gosh. Well, it was so much fun. I loved growing up on a farm. There was just always something to do. And I learned how to drive a tractor before I got my driver's license, before I learned how to drive a car. So that's pretty cool. But we also had a lot of... We had like a big... I guess you could kind of call it a fire pit. That sounds so redneck. But it was this really pretty place where we could all gather around the fire and have cookouts and things like that. And my brothers and I would like shoot Coke cans with BB guns while I'm painting. You know, it's funny when you said shoot, when you said shoot Coke, I was like, Oh, this, this show is going to take a whole different turn. I did not. Casual cocaine. You almost, you, you blurred out on the cans. Okay. So shoot (laughs) Coke cans. You guys were not mainlining it. Okay. Got it. We were not. Thank God we cleared that up, but you were the youngest of seven. How do you think that shaped your personality? I think it makes you pretty laid back because there's always there was always something going on at my house, um, which I loved. I love when it's I love a busy house, and also I think by the time my parents had me, they were kind of just tired. (laughs) Right. I could pretty much do whatever, but I didn't really want to. Does that make sense? Because yeah, it's it so does. laid back. It does, but you were laid back, but you also had a mean temper in high school, rumor has it. But I don't <laughs> see a hint of that on you. Is that still in there deep? In other words, like, 
you know, the, the, uh, the Evans that I get to see versus, you know, what the world gets to see. Is that, is that a, is a temper, a theme that runs through you or did you work that out in high school? I think I worked it out. Wait, did I really have a temper in high school? Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) You did. Did my mom tell you that? Well, you had a mean temper. Your dad was so nice. Your dad would (laughs) sing through the house. He'd wake you up and you were mean to him back. Oh my gosh. How do you know that? That is so true. Okay. In high school, I was such a jerk, I think, to my dad because he would be the jolliest man ever when he'd try to wake me up in the mornings, which is ridiculous that my parents woke me up for school. You see, this is what I'm trying to... I'm trying to get to the truth here, Evans. Okay, good. The truth is I'm not as nice as I seem. Yeah, you finally you finally fessed up to this. But now your your dad, your dad had an interesting job, right? He was an OB is, I guess he's retired now, but he's an OBGYN. Yes. That's so, true. Like what is it like being raised by that kind of doctor? And did it ever get weird <laughs> if your friends were like a patient of his or something like that? Because it's a small town, right? Right. I never knew who his patients were. That He would never tell me anything about who his patients were. But we definitely, you know, when you're around him all the time, if he was on call or something, I feel like any kind of problem could be solved with a heating pad and bed rest. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a reoccurring theme. And he gave the sex talk in my school several times. Oh, no. Yes. But he's real. My dad's hilarious. So it was never, I never felt embarrassed, which was kind of strange. Um, I always kind of thought it was cool that my dad was giving the sex talk at school, which is ridiculous. But that's how I felt. Was he, was he more the OB part or the GYN part? I think he was more the OB part, but in his last years, he started just doing the daily appointments. Okay. But he's he's an awesome doctor, um, from what I know, from what people tell me that we would run into with him. They'd always be really happy to see him. And I'm really proud of how hard he worked. And if you ever want to try on like a pregnant belly, my dad can get one of those for you. So there's a lot of perks when your dad's an OB. So he, like the thing like 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 a I almost said strap on that would have been weird. So it's like it's almost like a like a like a like a baby that you can like wrap around you to see what it feels yeah. like. You mean you can that see exists? what it feels like? Oh, totally. What do, you, what do you do that? Is that like a high school thing to tell them like uh, scare them straight? I think it's helpful for partners and husbands that maybe can't experience how the weight of a child so kind of gives them a little understanding of what their wife is going through. That's really interesting. I don't want to have any judgment here, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I mean, that's, I don't think that's, you need to. I don't think I need to. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm way too old to be having kids, but I happen to have a little baby right now. That's right. All right. So here's the thing. You went to a, fi- a pretty uh, fancy pants, prestigious prep school called uh, Providence yes. Day School in Charlotte. How do you think that shaped you? I loved my school. I didn't realize how lucky I was at the time, but it, it's crazy how the teachers, if some, if a little something is off with the way your grades are, they immediately call your parents. So they're very much on the job, which is really nice to have someone looking out for you like that. And I kind of didn't understand until college that not everyone has the luxury of people trying to look out for you like that. And I really like, I went to school with the same people from kindergarten through 12th grade. So it's kind of neat growing up with a group like that. Yeah. And I just love my teachers. They were awesome and super fun. And it was like a little small community. But when college came around, I was definitely ready to go see some new stuff. Okay. So when you get out of that environment and you go into sort of like a mainstream university, was was that significantly different for you? Or was it different for you in a really, really good way? Different in a good way. It was crazy when I went to big lectures and things and I'd never seen so many students in one class, but I loved the diversity and just meeting new people and going to a big college, the sports and all of that is a ton of fun. So it was awesome. All right. So let's fast forward a little bit out of college, a few years, and I want to take you, I want to place you back to 
you and your mom jumping in your Honda, driving across the country <laughs> because you say, I'm moving to LA. Can right. you tell us the story of why you made that decision to move to LA? Yes. I have an amazing boyfriend named Adam and who you've met. Yeah. And... um we had been dating long distance for about a year and we both talked about it and my job was more flexible than his. So I decided I would move out there and I lived out here for probably nine months without my car and without my dog. So then I kind of decided, okay, I'm really going to stay here. And uh, I flew back home and my mom and her best friend and I drove with my dog. So it was three women and a dog. <laughs> In a sounds like a CRV. sounds like a movie. <laughs> yes, it was hilarious. Now you get out to LA and you land not lands, but you drive into Santa Monica. Is that right? Yes, correct. What did you think when you got to Santa Monica? Were you like, "This is home," or not no, so much? No, I I'll be honest, Rob. The first year here was really hard for me, and I feel like I can pretty much handle anything. I can get used to things pretty easily, but I was so homesick. It was, it's just a different vibe out here. It's, it's amazing. The people are great, but I've found that you have to make the first move. Mm -hmm. It's not like in the South where, you know, people talk to each other all the time and in line at the grocery store or whatever, people are a little busier here. Oh yeah, you know for sure. I do. I do. Because I'm living in the South now and I'm moving to uh, LA. So I'm, I'm kind of getting prepared for this. But I want to read, read something to you uh, because it seems, like, it seems like Charlotte is really in your spirit. And I want to see what comes up for you when I read this to you. Okay? Okay. Isn't it funny how you can miss a place as much as you miss a person? I miss the place, Charleston so much and the feelings have only grown stronger as summer approaches. Charleston summers are sweaty and humid and there's fresh crab and cold beer. There are late night porch talks and early ocean swims. There's slow moseys and crooked streets after midnight. There are bike rides and sunburns and melted ice cream that you can't lick fast enough. I'm looking forward to another California summer for sure but I'll never stop missing the grandest place I've ever known. Yes. I wrote that. You wrote that, didn't you? <laughs> I did. What do you think about when you hear that? Yes. So Charleston is a very special place to me. That's where my mom lives now. And we would spend a lot of our summers there. And you've been to Charleston, right? Do you know what? I have never been what? to Charleston. No. Bro, no. you have to go. It is such a special place. I've not been. I've been all over the freaking world and I've not been to Charleston. And you're so close. I know. It's just, I've never had an occasion to go. Okay. Well, you're going to have to make a trip because it is a beautiful place. The people are incredible. The food is insane. And it's just this magical little part of the world that I absolutely love. And I cannot wait to move back there someday. Do you see yourself moving out of LA and back into the deep South? I would like to, but I definitely don't want to do that anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird how home has an effect on you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. I mean, a place, it's crazy how a place can feel, make you just feel so at ease. It's amazing. You know, when you have a good one, it's great. When you have a bad one, you're like, get me the hell out of here. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... That's great. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the kind of work that you do. You are uh, an executive assistant to one of the most successful authors, podcasters, and all around amazing freaking person, Lori Harder. Lori Harder. Lori Harder. Why did you decide to become an executive assistant? Well, it happened in a really funny way. I worked for Anthropology, the clothing store, before I moved here. Mm -hmm. So I transferred with them. And then I think I'd... Oh, yeah. I'd been listening to Lori's podcast for a while. And so I followed her on Instagram and I saw she posted about a job opening. And I didn't even apply until a month after I had seen that, which kind of worked out in my favor because a little application randomly popped up on their end. So... I just thought it would be really interesting and something new and exciting. 
and here I am. It's really interesting because I'm sure that there are a bazillion people who are listening to her podcast. I think you guys are rapidly approaching, is it 10 million downloads or something like that? Which is insane. I know. Insane. Like I cannot believe the number that you guys are on. So I can only imagine how many people would have wanted to be in her orbit, but you're the one that got selected. It's crazy. Why do you think that is? I think it was a lot of luck, honestly. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think, I don't even know, Rob. Sometimes I'm like, how did I get here? When I interviewed with them, it just kind of felt natural, I guess. And um, I think they sensed that too. And we just kind of clicked. So I honestly, I think it got really lucky. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with your abilities that they recognized um, from both your personality all the way up to you know your skill set that they just had a, a vibe you were going to be perfect with it. But I want to kind of dig in a little bit and talk about now that you've been doing this for a while, how long have you been doing this with her? Um, a year and a half, I think. Okay. So in that year and a half, I have watched uh, from afar your job duties um, expanding Mm -hmm. into lots of different things, uh, which we're going to talk about in a second. But if we kind of like, if if you're looking back on the last, let's say, year and a half or so, what do you think makes a good executive assistant? And try and pull out of and I know it's difficult to talk about yourself, you know, in third person and talk about yourself like how great I am, but I'm really <laughs> I'm really looking for, you know, somebody who's listening who's either thinking about hiring an executive assistant or has one but it's not going so great. Like what would you say makes a good executive assistant? I think you have to be flexible, patient, and your communication, I think it's almost like what you'd want in a relationship with a partner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because you're so close to, I mean, I feel really close to Lori because you're helping manage her life. And that includes some of her personal life too. So I would say what's helped me the most is knowing each, just going into each day, knowing that there's always going to be some things that come up out of nowhere. And don't freak out because there's nothing you can't handle as long as you communicate about it. It's interesting. So you have like sort of like an overriding belief system that says that there's nothing that I can't handle as opposed to somebody freaking out, which I'm sure that there are a million possible things that you can freak out. I mean, I've been around... I've been around you guys. I see the volume of stuff that is thrown out at you mm-hmm. constantly, but you always seem to handle it with such an even hand. That's the word. You handle it with like an even hand. Are you like dipping Thank into you. CBD oil? Like what? <laughs> like what is it? Is it an LA thing? Do you just like? Just, are you meditating? Because you're always like. Like chill, but like chill in a very controlled, calm, uh, quasi-assertive way with oh, a smile. Oh, that's definitely the drugs. That's the drugs. Okay, that's <laughs> no. what I, that's what, that's one that I want to make. Well, you got a card for that, right? You can get an application. <laughs> totally. Just get a, a, yeah. Totally. I mean, it's no. amazing. Well, well, let me ask you the reverse then. What do you think makes a bad executive assistant? Um, I think... Well, oh gosh, I just think, believe me, I am freaking out on the inside a lot of the time, but I just think I kind of go back to, for instance, there's a lot of events that I'm involved in. So I have to fall back on, it's my job to put a calm and happy face forward because there are a lot of people here who have invested their time and money to be here. So they don't deserve to see a person freaking out. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that's... That's no good for anyone. And it just looks bad on our team. And you just got to step it up. So I guess for a bad assistant, I would say someone who kind of gets anxious over the little things. You just kind of have to learn to let some things go. 
That's a really good answer. That's a really oh, good thanks. answer. So, so you're welcome. So let's let's talk about hiring and training. What advice would you give to somebody who's looking to hire an assistant? Like from the get go, they're they're like they're going like busy. I got so much going on. I, I definitely need to hire somebody. What advice would you give them to find a great one? I think attitude matters a ton. And one of my first bosses, I worked for this resort for a while in event planning, and I had no idea what I was doing. And when I went to my interview, I was like, I have no idea what you guys do. But he basically said later after we'd established a relationship that he hired me more on based on my attitude rather than my experience. And I think that would be super helpful because there are so many people who maybe they don't have a resume that says they've done this job before, but if you meet them and you click with them and you can tell they're organized and are going to try hard, to me, that seems like the person I'd want to hire. How do you hire for that? Like, In other words, how do you know that they got the goods? That's the hard part. I think, honestly, I'm not sure you ever really know, but you can get a feeling from them and I would definitely call their references for sure. <laughs> so this was like, for you, this was your Kiowa uh, Island Golf Resort gig, right? Yeah? Yes. Okay. That was the best. I think everyone should work hospitality at one point because you learn so much. Because there's so many different guests coming at you at the same time? Yes. So I worked for the Sanctuary, which you should go stay there. It's um this beautiful five-star hotel on Keough Island. And the training that they give all of their employees is incredible. And you just learn to... There's always a solution. I feel like that's where I learned you can always figure it out. And it's very much a team setting and saying yes and being polite and communicating and eye contact, just things like that, that could help you in every single job. Well, you know, you have so much synergy with Lori because, you know, I just, uh, she asked uh, Kim and I to do the opening for her book tour here in Atlanta. And one of the things that I said in the opening is that she said, everything is figure out a bowl, which always struck me. Yes. And it's interesting to hear you. Did she get that from you? Did you get that from her? Or you both just happen to have that? I think we both just happen to have that. But Lori is definitely one of those people. I mean, look at her amazing life. She figures out anything. She's so resilient and resourceful. And I think those are skills you would definitely want in an executive assistant too, because you're going to have to figure some stuff out. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's talk about training. So how do you train for this kind of job. In other words, a lot of times people, you know, hire somebody for a position and then they get pissed at them that they're not doing the position well, but if mm -hmm. you really unwind it, they never really train them right. Right. So, how like speak to that a little bit. I would say the training here oh gosh, um, training training by fire, right? Training by fire for sure, just getting thrown in there. But I'd say you definitely want to look for someone who already has those organization skills set within their own life. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Because part of what you do, this is, so, so it's interesting because you, you have to have the level headedness to be mm -hmm. able to handle it all. See, it's really interesting because you, you have to have the level headedness, but you also have to have the personality. When you're dealing with somebody at Lori's level, the people that she's around are not like, you know, Bubba who's working at the gas station. You know right. what I mean? Like she's dealing with some ballers. And, you know, which means that you're interfacing with those people. So not only do you have to have the structure in terms of the organization, but you also have to have the personality to do both. Most people are either very structure oriented, but they're kind of like CPA and they're nerdy or... Right. Or the other side of it is they're, you know, they got this like crazy personality. They're over the top, but they're a freaking mess and papers are everywhere. <laughs> but you actually have both. I think I'm starting to discover this about you, that, that this is what I find so interesting about you. That do you, have you always naturally had this? Oh, wow. Gosh, I guess so. I think I would say maybe it happened, started happening because I was the youngest in my family. So I, went with my parents to a ton of things just with adults starting at a very young age. 
So I think that helped me feel really comfortable in social situations, which has only helped me in this job, right? Because you're dealing with people who they have big followings and they're really well known and you need to be professional and and approachable at the same time. So I feel like growing up, not being afraid to be around those people. And then my job at the resort too, because you'd have a lot of high-end clients from corporate America there. So maybe keeping in the back of your mind, everyone puts their pants on the same way, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> does that yeah, make I, sense? I, 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 I jump, I jump into mine, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. You're, you're right. I'll tell you the other thing I noticed. The other thing is that you're, you have a really good self-awareness of the areas of your life that you're feeling uncomfortable in. So in other words, like if there's something that you're shy around or you're just not feeling good, mm-hmm. you're not afraid to lean into that and grow from it. I've seen you do it a million times. In fact, I would not think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I would not think that doing improv was something that you'd be like, yeah, this would be really cool. I would bet that you probably did that to shake out some of the, I don't know, insecurities, uneasiness, whatever it is that you have. Am I right? You're so right. You're so wise, Rob. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to record this. I'm going to play this for my wife. Yeah. No, this is this is true because I, I, I've i seen you do it. I've seen like, I know that you're not like, I'm a, I'm, by nature, I'm a super touchy, huggy person, as you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can like come near you and make your neck <laughs> I turn. am not a touchy person. <laughs> I know you're not, which is the reason why I touch you. And your <laughs> neck turns like purple. I know, it's crazy. But, but... What I've noticed is that you know that about me and you're still willing to say, son of a bitch, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to do it. And I love that you don't, like you can go like, hey, I'm not the kind of person that likes to be touched. Don't touch me. But you're not. You lean into it. Is that something that you've always done? I think so. Um, The improv thing, that was, I was feeling really sad and homesick and hadn't made any real friends. That's been something that's been hard for me since I moved to California. So there's an improv place really close to where I live. And I just thought it would be really fun and challenging. And it was, and everyone should do it because there are so many different people that go to those classes. It's the coolest thing. Okay. Can I, can I just be completely honest with you? Yes. Just like, as you're telling that story, I'm, I'm putting myself in your shoes and I'm going, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm moving to LA when I think about doing like an like a like an improv thing in LA, I feel like I feel like I'm going to like you know an acting class with a young you know Gwyneth Paltrow or <laughs> Brad Pitt you know up and coming, and you know I, like I have no interest in becoming an actor, but everybody in LA wants to be an actor, and everybody's going to judge me, and and like mm-hmm. I'm starting to sweat thinking about the first day, like you had us do an, I don't know if you remember this, but you had us do an exercise um, or you, you you suggested that we do an exercise at the mastermind where we kind of like shake our feet and our hands out. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like a simple little thing. And I had so much fun doing it. Um, Maybe you can describe what that, what that exercise (laughs) is. And then, and then tell me what it was like, like your first day doing improv. Yes. So I think the exercise we did was, was it crazy eights? Crazy eights. Yep. Why is it called eights, by the way? I think because you do an eight count. So you, it's basically a body warm up to get the blood moving and you take your right hand first and shake it out, go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then do the left and then do the right foot and the left foot. And you repeat that and count down. That was a terrible explanation, but people. No, no, no that was perfect. It. It's exactly it's exactly right. So you had us, you had us standing there. We're shaking our left hand out. Then we're going on our right, and then we're going on our left foot, and then we're going on our right foot. And by the time you got to like you know the second hands, mm-hmm. everybody was cracking up, and it's everybody so just fun. thought it's it. So the idea is to just shake, just shake it out, right? Literally, shake it out, and you're getting in a rhythm too because you count with your classmates. So you guys. Um, you'll just find this natural where you're kind of like all in sync counting. And I loved that apart. My 
second class I took, the teacher, she was awesome. So she did, she was big on warm ups with everyone. And we'd spend 10 minutes when we got there warming up. And that would be like, this was totally out of my comfort zone, but you'd get a partner and you would like massage each other's shoulders and arms and legs. And you were like right up there in each other's business, but it was just kind of like loosening up and forgetting about the workday you just had and being present in the improv class. It was such a unique experience. And let me just tell you, Rob, there was a variety of people in there. You would think it would just be actors in that class, but there was a firefighter. There was... really Oh yeah. He was hilarious. Anyone from... There was an attorney, there was a surgeon, there was a teacher, just you name it. They were in the class. Okay. When I move to LA, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm actually going to be this. I'm like, I feel like Benjamin Button. I'm going backwards in age (laughs) here, but I'm, I'm going to join at 52 years old. I'm going to join a, uh, an improv class just because you, uh, you had me do. I could talk to you for hours about that, but I want to, I want to ask you some other stuff before I run out of time. All right. So you are around Lori a lot. You're in the house traveling with her. You're on book tours. You just did a bunch of days at sea with her, right? On the Oprah cruise. What is the secret to being around somebody as much as you are with her and still making the relationship work to the level that you guys now have actually evolved your relationship into the fact that you're now (laughs) doing a weekly podcast with her? I know. It's so weird. I think it worked out. We were both nervous about being on a cruise ship for seven days with each other in the same room. That was a little like, whoa, is this going to work out? We've traveled together, but not staying in the same room. But we kind of found our own rhythm. And I'd say establishing those boundaries really helped. Of, I'm one of those people who I know I need a morning by myself that's quiet or else I'm just a huge jerk the rest of the day. So... But Lori does too, right? Right. She's the same way. She loves her morning rituals. So we just knew that about each other. And it was just like a lot of what she says in her book, just um, no judgment, no expectations, just saying like, hey, this is my time. Don't take it personally, but I'm out of here for an hour and it's all good. It doesn't mean that I don't like you. It just means that I'm taking my morning to myself. So do you do you have like is there like a sit down where Lori say, says like you know come here you and I we need to talk so we're gonna be we're gonna be locked in a room for seven days and you know here's how this thing's gonna go down or is it or is it like you guys are just like you just get you just at this point you just get each other we just get each other we were both when we got in the, on that cruise we we were both kind of felt like aliens I think because we didn't know what to expect. And it was just a totally different crowd than what we thought. We're like, all right, like here we are, let's do this. We'll, we'll figure it out. Freaking amazing. What's your thoughts on, um, well, actually let's do this. Can you tell me the story of how the podcast with her happened? Oh yeah. That was the Q and a day. Well, the fa- well, you you have a regular podcast with her now, right? Like each week, don't you do this or every couple of weeks? Yes. Um, that's really cool that Lori invited me to be on there. Um, she just, she's always coming up with new ideas and trying new things out. And one day she just asked if I wanted to do some question answers and I could gather some questions from people and then be a little co-host. And we started doing it and it was a ton of fun. Can I tell you that I listen to zero female podcasts, not because I have a problem with it, but I just don't identify with it. You know what I mean? I listen to your Q&A with her, (laughs) like on the regular. Like, I don't think I've missed one of them. I'm so glad. I freaking love it. There's something about the chemistry between you two, and there's something about your quirkiness that (laughs) I just feel freaking love, which is which is why I wanted to have you on this show. Well, thanks, Rob. Lori makes it easy. She well, she really, she's really, really incredible. So yes. all right. So what I'd like to do is we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk about the science. Uh, we just talked about the science of achievement, but I want to talk more about the art of fulfillment because I think 
you know, we can focus on achieving and being a great executive assistant and growing, you know, helping grow Lori's brand, et cetera. And that, that's mm-hmm. kind of the business part of your life. And I know it leads into your personal as well, but being fulfilled in life is a little bit of an art. So I want to talk a little bit about that with you. And I want to just kind of poke around a little and ask you some questions. So okay, what does a typical Saturday morning look like for you? Ooh, I love getting up early on Saturdays because I'm really excited about it. And it's pretty boring. I get up early and make coffee with... I like French press coffee. And... Then usually we'll go on a hike. My dog and Adam and I go to Will Rogers. So if anyone hasn't been there, Will Rogers is a beautiful hike in Santa Monica. And then I love piddling. Do you ever use the word piddle, Rob? I live in the South. We piddle here. I love piddling on Saturdays. Like, oh, I'm going to reorganize this shelf or I'm going to go outside and plant something. You know, that's not true. I've never planted anything. I just lied. But but it's you you lied but you lied in the way to tell the story. I mean, why why let the truth get out? Right. <laughs> so okay, so Saturday is just kind of like a chill a, ch- a chill sort of relaxing thing. Are there are there any particular routines or tools or anything that you use that sort of helps you rejuvenate or decompress yourself? Because I know you have a crazy mm-hmm. busy schedule. So in other words, is there anything that you've built into your schedule to help you recharge the batteries? Yes. I would say getting outside. I didn't realize how important being outside was me. <laughs> outside was to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so hiking is huge. And walking with my dog, that recharges me so much. And also yoga. There's a really cool yoga studio near me. So I try to do that as much as possible. How often do you do it? I was doing really well for a while, but I've kind of gotten out of it. Um, My goal is to go three or four times a week. And is it the hot yoga or the regular one? The hot yoga. Unbelievable, isn't it? It feels so good. Oh my God. I am freaking addicted to it. And I feel like I can't do anything. (laughs) You should like, you want to laugh? Just like, I'll I'll send you a video of me doing hot (laughs) yoga. It looked, this was what my wife, my wife went to hot yoga this morning. She came back and she said, oh, the teacher said there's a fundamental class that she thinks would be really, really good for you. I'm like, I've been taking it for a year. That's how I feel too. I still don't know how to do anything, but you just go. It's you great. just do it. You just if you go. Can go. If you can go to one restaurant before you die, where would your last meal be? Oh man! Wait, what's that um, restaurant here in California? What is it? French Laundry or something? Mm, yeah, French Laundry is a great one. I mean, there's a couple of French Laundries. Have you been to that one? No, but I think I would like to. Interesting. You know, you're the only one who's answered that question for a restaurant they haven't been to. Oh wait, am I supposed? Oh, I thought no, I was supposed to. There's say- no rules. No, okay. there's no rules. It's whatever you want. But it, but it just dawned on me that everybody they go back and they go like, oh. There's a place I ate in Brooklyn. It was unbelievable. So oh. they always tell me a story about a meal that they have to go back to, but you took it for like something that you want to go to. That's interesting. I'm analyzing you. Sorry. Okay. What's the what's the thing that is rocking your world right now that has nothing at all to do with work, Lori Harder, nothing, none of that stuff? Ooh, um, what is rocking my world right now? Oh, I know what it is. It's my new cute booties from Tom's. <laughs> this is the reason I had to have you on the show. I'm just going to leave that right there because there's nothing else I could say to that. That is I'm just so jazzed about perfect. them. Do you do you collect anything, or have you ever collected anything? Yes, I love postcards, and um, I love snail mail. So. I refuse to throw away any letters that I've received, things like that. They just mean so much to me. So I definitely keep those and I love buying fun postcards. Doesn't, well, they're kind of the same. I mean, they're different, but they're sort of in the same genre, right? They're both handwritten things. That's, you know, isn't it weird when you see a letter, doesn't it look like it belongs in the Smithsonian because like, you just don't see it anymore. And they're they're such treasures. Yeah, I like that. What's the one thing that you've always wanted to learn, but you just have not gotten around to yet? I would say maybe French. I would love to be able to speak French. 
there's a uh, there's a theme here. French laundry. <gasps> learn to speak French. I want to be a French woman. Well, this is my next question. If you can spend one month living anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, yes. Okay, that's a perfect setup, Rob. I would love to be a French woman and be one of those really chic women who goes down to the market every day and cooks and drinks wine and maybe smokes the occasional cigarette and rides her bike because I'm not like that. So I would really like to be. <laughs> this is so funny. So you don't want to, you don't want to just like go to France. You want to be a French woman. Like you've stepped oh, into the yeah. identity. For sure. I, I just, I see you with like the, the long cigarello, you know, and yes. the, uh, and the, and the, uh, the little, what are the, what's, I want to say bandana, what am I, beret and the beret on your head. This is really interesting. Wouldn't that be lovely? I love that. When you come to the end of your life and you're lying on your deathbed, what regrets would you most have if you didn't do? My biggest regrets would definitely be for a period of time, my dad and I had a kind of strained relationship, but my mom always encouraged me to keep trying and keep up, just keep going after it because I would be really upset with myself if I didn't try to make our relationship better. So I think that's something I would be really sad about. So always trying to, there's always going to be challenging moments and challenging people in your life, but just making sure you're doing your best to hold up your end. Does that make sense? You know what? Yeah, it makes total sense. I had a horribly strained relationship with my father and probably about three years before he died, I just made a decision that I was going to fix it. And then he died. And, you know, I look back on that now and I say like, if I didn't take, if I didn't have whatever it was, and I think it was my wife that pushed me, but Mm -hmm. if I didn't have that push to fix it, you can't, when they're gone, you can't undo it. Right. You know, as you get older, you get, you know, like the past is the past and, you know, you, you get clearer headed about things and, you know, you have your own family and you start looking at things differently. But if I didn't fix that time in my life and I had to spend the remainder of my life with this unrest of not healing it, I, I, I'd be a different person right now. So I love the fact that you said that. That's so good. I'm so glad that you and that happened with you and your dad. Yeah, oh yeah, it was really, really, really good. I'll tell you the story one day. It was great. Okay. What approaches have worked really well for you in improving your relationship with your significant other? And it could be as small as a date night or as big as a, you know, a couple's retreat or a vacation, whatever. But what, what, what approaches have worked well for you? We really are working on our communication. So a Google calendar has helped us because we'll set up fun dates for each other on there and send each other invites. And also we've gone to a couple's counselor and she's yeah. awesome. And it's just a great way. It's not like anything was bad, but it's just a really great way to check in with each other and a different way to communicate. It's been awesome. Yeah, it's really good. Kim and I did too. And we just made a decision. We we're actually the only people that had no trouble at all in our relationship and said, Hey, let's go for counseling. Yeah. And we did that and we did it once a week. The counselor eventually kicked us out because <laughs> she said you're wasting your money, which is a true story, which is which was great. But I just kind of feel like whatever it is that we're going through, you know, like if we go to the gym, we'll hire a trainer or, you know, you get the idea. Like, why would yes. you not do that for the most important freaking thing in your life, exactly. which is your relationship? For some reason, there's so much shame around it, but you don't have to be ashamed. It's good. I love that. You know, you said something else a second ago that just triggered something from your podcast with Lori. Uh, oh, I know what it was. You said you were... Google Calendar, you guys schedule cool stuff in. Yes. I think it was you. My podcast may be gelling together. And if, if it is, forgive me. But I think, I think I heard you say that one of the things that you do is you go on to um, Airbnb to look for cool things <gasps> yes. in your city. You did That's, say that, right? Can you explain I that? Because I, I looked at it. There's some cool shit. There's so much cool shit. It's Airbnb experiences and they experiences. have- Experiences, That's it. Yeah. Yes. We learned about beekeeping and it was really fun. And we're going to do an art and meditation class next. So random, but you art can do it. Art and meditation. The only thing, you, the only other thing you, you need to do is, is in the nude, but that, that is a weird, <laughs> that is a weird, 
That is a weird conversation. Okay, so that so you, you but you haven't done it, but you're going to do it. Yeah, we're going to do it. Um, who knows? Maybe it is in the nude. I don't know yet. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Okay. Can I tell you a nude story really quick? Yeah, please. So when I was in college, I took an art class, but I clicked the wrong box and I took an art class for art majors instead of the minimum art requirement for the basic, you know, the oh one-on-one. And I walked in and there's all these people that look like, you know, like they're high with, you know, like hipster mustaches kind of thing. And they're all like, you know, just looking like they're artists. Right. And I walk in there and the, the professor says, all right, I just want to get like a sense for how everybody's doing, take the temperature on the first day and see where everybody is. A woman walks in in the fur coat and I'm like, looking like, what the fuck is going on? What is this? She takes the coat off butt naked. Like, what? Butt, butt freaking naked. And then says, and then the, and, and starts, and, and then is holding ropes, like big, thick ropes. And she what? said, yeah. And the professor said, draw her. I drew a stick figure. I had, I was, had no freaking idea. And then the professor, the professor said to me, how long have you been drawing? I go five minutes. And he's like, you're not in, I'm like, no, he's like, you're in the wrong class. So every time John, I think, I feel like that would only happen to you. I know. I know. <laughs> I love that. All right. So we are going to wrap up with our rapid fire round of questions. Answer as quickly or as slowly as you like. It's basically a first thing that comes to mind round. Cool? Cool. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? Being able to talk to anyone. What's one of the things you're afraid of right now? Oh, gosh. What am I afraid of right now? The holidays. Wonderful. <laughs> Okay. I generally don't ask, but I have to ask, why are you afraid of the holidays? I, in my mind, my holidays are like a Martha Stewart magazine and they're just going to be this perfect thing. But uh, that ex- doesn't expectation. always happen. Yes. Yeah. Our, our mutual friend... Chris- go. Yeah, you gotta let it go. Our mutual friend, Christine Hassler, has got a book called Expectation Hangover. You you, you love it. You I love need to it. read that. You got to read it. It's, it's good. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? Oh, that's a really hard question. What do they ask me that I wish? What do they never ask you? What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? Because I'm sure that you get a million questions about Lori and about Chris and, you know, it's just sort of the world that you're in and they ask you a lot of different questions, but what should they really be asking you? Oh yeah. Maybe it'd be cool to be like, what are you up to? Like what's going on in your world? Yep. Love that. What's the one thing that you want to get better at? Being a better girlfriend. Mm, I love that. What <laughs> audio book or book have you re-listened to the most? Oh, okay. This is, has to do with being a better girlfriend. So my boyfriend actually recommended this book called The Course of Love. I listened to the Audible version. It is so good. It's a really interesting way to learn about relationships and it walks you through this fictional couple and their relationship and you kind of go from their first date all the way into when they're having kids. It's really interesting and they kind of break down when they have an argument or things like that and how they could have acted in a different way to come up with a better solution. It's really good. I'm not selling it very well. No, no, no. That's exact. It's it, it. It actually, I love that idea because most people, most books focus on a specific, a particular period in somebody's life. Just got mm-hmm. married, just had kids, something like that. This is taking you through, so it kind of like shows you all the different things. I love that. It's really cool. What is your guilty pleasure? True crime. Mm-hmm. I love true crime. By the way, do you know that 80% of women watch uh, true crime and those crime stories? And why 20% do we do of men that? Do. Why do we do that to ourselves? I have no idea why, but women absolutely love that. What is the one thing that you own and probably should throw out, but you never will? Uh, an old school planner because you can do everything online, but I just love having that book. Mm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. If you had to give, I have two more questions for you. If you had to give a TED talk on nothing that you're known for, nothing that you speak about, it could be uh, on anything you like to do or anything that you have a passion for at all, what would it be? Manners. Manners. Yes. I love manners. And I 
Rob, if anything today, I just want to leave with please return your shopping cart because that drives me <laughs> bananas. <laughs> it kills me. I can't handle it. It makes me By the me way, so that's going to be the that's I pull out little audio <laughs> audio clips to put at the beginning of the podcast and I put like a little robot voice on it. That's uh, that's going to be your pull quote. I'm if so there's glad. A, if there's anything that you learned in the last 54 minutes, just put your damn, put is, your damn it, cart back. Would it kill you to put the shopping cart back? It is not hard. And I understand things come up and people have children and I totally get it. But majority of the time you can put your dang cart back. But okay, but there's an but, but there's a much bigger overarching <laughs> story here. It's not just the shopping cart. Like you didn't say you wanted to do a, a, a thing on shopping carts. You want to do a thing on manners. Yes, we need them. Is there a particular person that you've read a book on manners or is there somebody who had a real significant influence you on influence on you with manners or like yes. what, or is it just in your DNA? Okay, so tell me tell me that. My mom for sure, she's huge on manners and my, and my dad too. Huge on manners and did you guys do you have teen cotillion in Atlanta? I know you do. Well, in Atlanta, we have cotillion. You know, in New York, where I'm from, we just try and survive. So there's, <laughs> there's nothing, there's no cotillion there at all. But when I came here, for those of you that don't know what a cotillion is, imagine when you visualize the Southern Belle, you know, in her coming out party, and you're and you're <laughs> like a thinking, debutante. yeah, debutante, gone with the wind, flowing. You know, I'm just a flutter head. You know, like that kind of southern belleness. Right. That's that's a cotillion. And the girls will actually do like a training for it. Did I get that right? Well, I never was a debutante, but we did teen cotillion, which I think was in middle school. And you'd have to meet once a week and you'd have to... Like some each week, different parents would be the hosts, and you have to walk in and shake their hands and introduce yourself and learn dances and learn about how to introduce someone or how to get your date punch. And it sounds ridiculous and old school, but those are good things to know. They are good things to know. But so now, so much of this is a product of your environment, right? So you grew up like they say the first seven years of your life will dictate the remainder of your life. That's how critical it's, it's incredible. Like this, like the statistics are like so solid on this. Like you can't, you can't, it's so hard to even undo the first seven years. You can do 20 years of therapy. And in some cases with certain areas of your life, you can't undo it. Oh Lord. So there's no cotillion, right? In in Santa Monica. I don't see that happening. So I don't it, know. You know, you get married in Santa Monica and you raise a kid there. Like how do you how do you instill the manners in them? You just have to at do home. it, right? You just have to do it at home. I think you just have and, to do it. Yeah. And my mom is huge on we always had dinner together and it was always a set table. Do you know what I mean? Like it was always dinner at the table and I that meant something to me. And I love that. You just get together and you talk about your day and you're, you have a nice napkin and you're behaved. And then that's that. You're so funny. A nice <laughs> napkin and you're behaved. I don't want to be your child. I'm terrified. I know. My poor, my poor future children. I'm terrified. You're going to look at me and go, all right, listen, honey. You, the first thing you got to know is put your damn shopping cart back. That's number one. Okay. <laughs> number two, I gave you a nice napkin. Now shut up and eat and use your manners. <laughs> so this was even better than I thought it was going to be. The last question, we're going to change up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? Ooh. Oh, Rob, so many questions. I would like to know what's next for you. Well, what's next for me um, is to, there's probably three parts to what's next. I've spent my entire, I've spent the last 20 years not loving where I live and wanting to move to um, a beach community and uh, and surf, which is kind of ironic considering that I've only surfed twice in my life, but mm -hmm. I want to spend my remaining years doing that. And I've always wanted to live in Europe. So... Um, we're going to kind of do both. We are uh, at the end of June. We are packing everything up that we own, putting it uh, into a pod 
and uh, we're going to be homeless, which is really difficult for me because I thrive on structure. Mm -hmm. And the first spot, I got my list right over here. Our first spot is going to be in uh, Monaco. And we're going to spend four months going through France and Italy and Portugal and spend an extended time uh, living in Tuscany. And then we're going to go from there to to Manhattan Beach, which is going to be our new home, and start our new life in Manhattan Beach. So that is what's next. That is so incredible. And I think it's such a gift to your daughter too, that you, she's so young and gets to experience the world. I'm so freaking excited. I'm so excited for y'all. I'm too. So Evans, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have such a beautiful light, such a beautiful future ahead of you. And I just can't wait to see what's next for you. Thank you so much, Rob. This was so much fun. And kudos to you for, I don't know how you got that tidbit about my dad. You're good. <sighs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Evans, thanks again, hon. Okay, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live.